Hi and welcome to episode 3 of the 1 in 10 political podcast. That's One Nationism and Political Reform discussed in roughly 10 minute bites and hosted by me, Martin Curtis. In this episode we're going to talk about local government reform and regional government uh, really as a as a uh, as a link to the episode we did last week which was about parliamentary reform and the need for a move towards some form of PR. I want to start by just listing a few of my qualifications to actually talk about this topic because I've been criticised over the first couple of episodes for not talking about me enough although that's not what I want to do in this podcast. But I just need to stress, I think it's important in this, that I don't speak with with no authority and no background at all. So I've been a councillor and and I was a councillor for for about 20 years before I decided to give it up uh, beginning of last year. And I've held political posts as a councillor for... Um, for almost all of that time, you know, in both, I was a I was a leader of a county council for some time, held a number of portfolios, I chaired committees, so I've done a huge amount as a councillor, and obviously alongside that, you know, worked with politicians, worked with with uh, senior ministers, very senior ministers in some cases, and I've actually stood for Parliament for the Conservative Party myself. If you want to see how I did, I stood in Nottingham North in in two thousand and ten, and although I was never going to win that seat, uh, I. I did get quite a significant swing in my favour and before that I was also a civil servant so I've I've actually seen how the system works from that side of the fence and I saw things there that I'm convinced are still going on that I didn't like one of which was when people were appointed to a new post or were given a job to a new job to do they saw their first responsibility as making that the most important job in the department so that they could actually grow their empire and build the staff and make themselves irreplaceable it's the sort of thing I never like and never like to see at work and particularly didn't like as a civil servant. I hope that shows that I have got a relevant background and relevant experience to talk on this topic, um, you know, because it is something I care about. I care about it because I've been involved in it for so long. So I'm going to start by talking about the need for regional government, because actually, uh, I think this is more important than than parliamentary reform, although regional government can't happen without reform to the way government and uh, um, the Houses of Parliament work, in in my view anyway, because I don't want regional government to be nothing. Um, but I, I know I'm not the only one that thinks about things uh, along these lines as well. And, and just as an example, uh, by pure coincidence, it's an issue that Gordon Brown talked about in his interview with um, Sophie Ridge uh, last Sunday morning. And I'm going to play you a short clip from that, which I hope highlights um, a few issues. People are frustrated, they're fed up, not just in Scotland, but in the regions of England, in Wales. And I see a sense growing right across the whole of the United Kingdom that people feel in the regions and the nations, they're not being listened to, they're not being consulted. Westminster Whitehall is out of touch. And that's why I think we've got to say that at the end of this COVID crisis, we're going to review uh, the way we govern ourselves, the way we manage affairs, whether it's public health or whether how we manage the economy, recession, industry, employment. And I think we're going to have to get a far better balance between the powers that the nations and regions hold. And I'm talking about the areas around Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, Bristol, London, of course, all the different parts of the United Kingdom. They need far more powers of economic initiative. uh, And the centre will have to admit that it cannot do everything itself and that centralisation is not working in the way that it could. Now, I know not everybody's a fan of Gordon Brown's, but actually he has a voice of significant experience and he deserves to be listened to. 
And in this case, he's right. People are really, really disillusioned with the way government works. I talked about those facts last week that 69% of people are saying that they're unhappy with our democracy and that there's only Belgium and Greece in Europe where dissatisfaction is higher. And you have to listen to that. And one of the arguments you've got to listen to is about the need for for regional government. And I don't think that should sit in isolation. Uh, My view about regional government is it has to be meaningful. But I actually think you could use representatives from regional government to make up a replacement for the House of Lords. And that way you're actually killing two birds with one stone. You're dealing with the, the House of Lords, which all the evidence says people see as not being fit for purpose, not being the right sort of chamber we want. But also you're doing it in a way that means that the second chamber is not a chamber that becomes part of the Westminster bubble, but becomes a chamber that becomes a representation from the regions at a national level. So that when legislation is refined and changed, it is refined and changed based on knowledge of the regions and what is needed in the regions of the UK. So I think that's a far better system. I also think it's important to understand that regional government, when it is created, has to be meaningful. It has to have genuine powers. And for that to happen, it has to have significant powers to raise its own taxes. So you've then got a balance to make uh, about how you justify the costs and and the additional taxation. It doesn't have to be additional taxation. And I think this is really, really important. Government need to back off and say what we'll do in creating these regional governments is we will reduce national taxation at x level so that that taxation can be raised for and justified by at a local level and then not not put limits on it but leave the amount of taxation at a regional level uh, to be something that the electorate can decide so if they don't like the amount of taxation that regional government are levying on them they've got the power to to actually back off and say we don't want this we're going to vote for somebody else but it also gives regional government potential to raise taxation as it sees fit so what do i mean by that well I mean, it's quite simple, really. Um, And and I use this as an example, but it's not the only one. There are a number of regions in the the UK that would really like the opportunity to put a tourist tax on so that they get an extra one or two percent on top of um, a hotel bill, as an example, as one way of raising additional taxation that they can use to for the benefit of that area. And why shouldn't they be able to do that? It certainly works in a lot of other places, and that is exactly what devolution should be about. One thing that is needed as part of devolution is a roadmap to success for each of the English regions. So what do I mean by that? Well, most of the regions in the UK take more taxpayers' money than they generate. And what we need to do is is a path that says this is the way that this region can become economically productive. And then regional government needs to be empowered to deliver it. And it needs to have powers that include education and skills, absolutely fundamental, so that you can set your own path to skilling up your local area according to your local needs. The ability to deliver infrastructure is absolutely fundamental. But I would also throw public health in there and a number of other things. And obviously, you could align all of that. But it has to be real powers, not them enacting what government want you to do. It's them to decide what they do. There's all sorts of benefits to that. 
one of which is you get best practice emerging in one region as they do something slightly different and the other regions can then copy and implement if they want to and and that's an important part of government it certainly happens uh, internationally so i really think that you know that, that there's a lot to be gained from regional government and i also think it's there to be gained without it costing the taxpayer a significant amount of money and i think that is important you've got to have one eye on on the amount of money you generate it's also true though that government does have to have a role to a certain extent in funding those areas that need it so that in order to make sure that this skilling up happens across the regions, in order to make sure these regions become economically productive, that there is an element of subsidy, cross-subsidy that national government can enable to actually make sure that those regions that are relatively poor can, can actually invest and make, happen, make it happen. But I, I really think local people making decisions on how to grow an economy locally is something that's a really, really powerful idea and something that, that has real potential. I also want to talk about local government reorganisation at a lower level because I think this is really important too. I, I think we basically need to get rid of district councils and move to a system where right across the country we've got unitaries, obviously as a subset of regions, but certainly we have to get rid of that second tier. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that it's not needed. You can set up area structures to deal with some of the things that need to be done potentially at a more local level. So some elements of planning as an example. But I would see regional structure planning as happening at regional level, um, as, as it used to happen before when we had regional assemblies. I would also have a revisit of elected mayors. Not because I think they're wrong, I think they're great. And actually the invention of, uh, of somebody that I consider a great one nationist, which is, which is Greg Clark, I think they're really powerful and really helpful. And I think the voice of challenge that they Andy Burnham has provided has actually been a good thing. I haven't agreed with everything he said, but that ability to challenge, I think, has been really important. So I, I think regional government is, is you know has that role to play. But we certainly can't deal with having two-tier councils at a lower level than that. And I think we they have to go... Um, I, I think it's really important. So I think that really starts to talk about what I, I think is needed in terms of um, total government reform below parliamentary level, with parliamentary having been dealt with in the previous episode. But I want to say this about the Conservative Party, and this goes back to what Gordon Brown said. People are not happy, and I think this change is going to happen. When it happens is another matter. And who drives it is another matter as well. It is in the Conservative Party's interest to look at this and think, actually, we've got a problem here. Why not us as Conservatives drive it so we can do it in our vision? Because if they don't, it will happen in somebody else's vision. And, and this is the point about a website I'm creating very soon, if it doesn't happen and if it's not driven from the centre... It will be driven from the extremes and then you'll get something with a very, very different look and feel. Uh, and I, I think it's really important we accept that, that unless we start to embrace as a country the need for the centre ground of British politics to drive change, that people will become so frustrated they will turn to the extremes in order to make that change happen. And the, the EU referendum is a perfect example of what's happened there. So that's this episode of the podcast finished. Uh, I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy it. 
I'd ask two things. First of all, if you do enjoy it, keep coming back. Next time I'm going to talk about what I would consider the priorities for a one nation government would be and what they should be. And and it will challenge a lot of the status quo as well. Um, But also, can I ask if you do like what I've said? please share it. Please let other people know that this podcast exists because the reason behind it is I want to pique interest. I want to stimulate thought. That's the whole idea of it. So please let other people know it exists. And most importantly, please keep listening. I really do appreciate you, the fact that you're taking time out to listen to it. Thank you very much.